Hello, everyone. This is Sakib, joined by Brianna. Uh, it's an in-house production today. Uh, we are going to talk about the Manic Monday, one of the biggest days in tennis, if not the biggest. And there are a lot of uh, intriguing matchups on both sides of the draw. Uh, welcome, Brianna. I know this is your second time, but, you know, everybody's uh, been reading your uh, insightful story. So it's, uh, it's wonderful to have you once again on Tennis with an Accent. Thanks for having me back, Sakib. I've been excited to, jo- to join you today. Uh, what are you looking forward to uh, before we get into like uh, the breakup or uh, breakdown or prediction of some of these matches? Uh, what are some of the matches as a fan that you are most anticipating You know, when the action starts tomorrow? Um, as a fan on the women's side, I'm really looking forward to Kerber and Bencic. Um, surprisingly, Bencic has a huge lead in the head-to-head over Kerber. They haven't played in a few years, but um, the last time they played, Bencic was up three love in the head-to-head. So that's a tricky one to judge. And I'm also looking at Pliskova-Burtons. That's a great opportunity for both. They've never been as far in Wimbledon as they've been in this tournament. So that's really something exciting to see. And of course, you know, everyone wants to watch out for Serena Williams to see if she can come through a draw that has literally been decimated and has kind of given her a nice carpet to her 24th title if she's playing well enough to take it. How about you? Uh, I believe you and I were the ones who picked Serena in our pre-draw uh, uh, prediction uh, of the panel, what we put out there. Uh, yeah, I, I thought Serena will play Kvitova for the championship. Of course, that's not going to happen now. We know that. And uh, I thought Petra, you know, was speaking and had all signs pointing to her. You know, I still think that was a good pick to place her in the final. Upsets do happen. And uh, I, I, I had a feeling that Serena, uh, if her shoulder and, you know, the injury she sustained in, in Paris has been uh, fully healed, I think she, she will be the player to beat. And, and, I, and, and I'm glad. I mean, she's come through making me look little, you know, and anytime you pick Serena Williams, it's not, it's not rocket science, but this is going to be a special win for her if she does come through. We are still four matches away from her winning this and a lot of tennis to be played. Uh, as far as looking forward, yeah, definitely I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on Serena because, you know, uh, every match is a new match and she hasn't played these kind of matches in a long time. So this is start of the second week. Uh, and, you know, even though it's best of three sets, this is a two-week tournament and still, you know, twice the amount of time you spend on, you know, WT or ATP tour tournament. So I think, yeah, Serena is definitely an intriguing uh, follow for me. And then uh, personally, I want to see Gulbis Nishikori because these are two of my favorite players outside of, you know, uh, Roger and Nick, who, you know, I follow a lot on tour and Andy when he's playing. So this is this is a tough match because I think uh, Nishikori, you know, was not expected to handle uh, Nick Kyrgios in that manner. So... It, that match has a lot of a personal intrigue for me. Uh, will it be Gulbis's moment, or is he maxed out after playing three, uh, five setters and six matches? You know, going back to Roehampton qualifying, uh, and then uh, Hashinov is another guy. You know, I want to see how he matches up against uh, the big man Novak Djokovic, who seems to be finding, you know, uh, his gear. And obviously, he had a testy match with Kyle Edmund. So I think those are two matches on the men's side that I'm uh, keenly. Uh, going to follow tomorrow. Uh, I think Djokovic is a heavy favorite, but I just want to see what kind of game Hashinov brings because for a while, he was overshadowed by the brilliance of Rublev when we met in Miami. Rublev had a lot of momentum. So, uh, yeah, those, those three matches, and of course, you know, then uh, you know, we want to see how Federer is doing, how Nadal's doing, 
will that matchup materialize? There's a lot of tennis to be played. And, and Vesely is another guy who Nadal's up against. Uh, he's someone I followed last year closely in the Challenger. I, I d- did not expect him. To me, he's a bigger surprise than Gulbis. Because Gulbis, I know, had the firepower. Of course, he lacked the consistency. But Vesely is someone I'm delighted for because he's made this big move. Yes, Vesely was very shocking to me as well. I did not expect him to come through and be the one to uh, face Rafa. I knew that Diego Schwartzman probably wouldn't make it to face Rafa, but to see Vesely come through Schwartzman and Fognini was a bit surprising. So that will be interesting to watch as well. Um, It'll also be a good test for Rafa to see if he can kind of overcome that powerful uh, serve and volley type game that Vesely can potentially play against him. All right, so now let's look at the uh, top of the the ladies draw. And uh, what do you think of that first match there? Simona Halep is not there anymore. So how do you, uh, are you excited by that matchup? Is it anybody's match to win according to you? Or you would favor Sibulkova in that? Um, I really favor Sibulkova in that, in that first round match. Um, She's playing Shuei and I think Shuei did a, a great job to come back to beat Halep from 5-2 down. But even in that match, even towards the end, the rally seemed to take a lot of out of her. Um, so I'm not sure she's going to have the legs in her to keep going. So I favor Sibakova. And even in healthy form, Sibukova leads her head-to-head to love. So I think Sibukova's got a great shot of going far in this draw, which is remarkable considering that she was the one bumped out when Serena was seated. Yeah, in a very, again, you know, like in hindsight, we don't want to combine the two issues, but it looks like her unseated status kind of worked for her now if she does take up Halep's spot in the draw. That probably may not be a bad deal going forward if he if he does keep winning, and then uh, I'm also actually interested in Ostapenko how she does because uh, her game is uh, uh, someone who can hit through the surface and grass you know even though it's bouncier and still uh, you know higher higher bounce in the past but it's still a place where shot makers can really have their say and Ostapenko I think uh, to me she's tailor made for the surface I don't know how well she sliced but she, her, her power I think can be astounding and she, she can be a force if she does mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really been flying under the radar. I haven't got, had a chance to see her play much um, this first week, but I know that um, after she made her shocking run to Roland Garros, the title, she made the quarterfinals in Wimbledon easily to back it up. So um, her draw has been very precarious, um, not precarious. Um, it's been very, you know, cupcake-ish. She was supposed to meet Sharapova in the third round, but unfortunately got the uh, upset Yachchenko. I think I'm saying that right. Um, the young Russian that upset Sharapova. So, uh, I mean, this will be her first big test, Sasnanovich. So we'll see what Ostapenko's made of for sure in this fourth round. These business end matches at the start of the second week are, are pretty intriguing, and you know there's a lot at stake. And sometimes we do forget because you know we talk about Serena, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, you know, and uh, you know Kerber and Halep, all the big names, because we do forget like a lot of these players in both tours are also playing for ranking points and prize money. And ranking points is huge, huge narrative. You know, it's it's like a cliche. We know that you know ranking is part of you know the overall picture, but for a lot of these players, this this could well be a chance to stay seated. 
a chance to get entry into a lot of these tournaments. You know, like Gulbis is probably, you know, if he even loses, he's taking 180 points. So that probably means he will be in the qualifying for some of these tournaments in Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken, and probably, you know, could play some of the European tournaments uh, in the fall. And that, that really helped. It was a big step up from uh, knocking the challenger door. So, yeah, again, uh, let's, uh, you know, on, on that note, let's look at Kasakina. Uh, match. So is, is that is that a match you, you put uh, Kasakin as a favorite or you think Allison, uh, how do you say the last name? I, I don't want to murder it. Uh, I think it's Van Utvank, but uh, <laughs> don't take my word for it. But I think Kazakhskina is going to have a tricky battle with Van Utvank. Um, they recently played in Eastbourne and Kazakhskina had to come from a set down to win. Um, so that could be another upset. But Van Udvank has never beat, well, this was her first week time in her career beating top 30 ranked players, two in a, the same tournament. So that kind of leads into Kazakhstina's favor. But you never know when slam pressure, you know, gets on these players. Van Udvank could come through and win the most matches um, consecutively, consecutively in her career, for sure. At a major. And I think in a way, Serena's presence also probably helps some of these players. And uh, because she's such a big name and such a, you know, powerhouse player. And the deeper she goes, the attention rightfully, you know, is focused on her. And then uh, I think press has another angle. And some of these players, who, if Serena was knocked out, would very well be looking at the first ever major. And then that adds, you know, to the pressure. So in a way, she's not shielding anyone. But in the other way, she is because... And same with, you know, Federer, Nadal and Djokovic. You know, their presence probably will take away some of the pressure that some other folks who are uh, on Manic Monday for the first time may, may not be getting that much attention. Yeah, the incredible thing about this Manic Monday is for the women's side, um, half of the players, well, excuse me, nine of them, have never made it to the fourth round before at Wimbledon. So this is really an opportunity for a lot of women. <clears throat> Excuse me. And to go back to what you were saying about how this is a great opportunity for players who may be low in the rankings. Um, Benchich, who's had a lot of injury issues uh, since her peak in 2015, she, due to her beating two seeds, she's now going to be back in the top 50 of the rankings which is an incredible jump for someone who was as low as the 300s um, just two years ago due to injury. So there's a lot at stake for these players. Um, I know Rodina, the woman that Serena is going to play, she's never been ranked above the top 80 in the world. And if she beats Serena, she could potentially be ranked top 70 or even higher. Okay, hold your thought on Serena. We'll uh, focus, you know, on her in a few minutes. So uh, you spoke about the Kerber-Bencic match and you did recently elaborate, you know, how Bencic would be a beneficiary because, you know, this result's going to help. She's earned it, you know, the ranking points. And she's been uh, perennially injured, you know. Uh, and she definitely knows her way around grass. Uh, uh, I, but I think Angie Kerber uh, might have too much uh, in the tank at this point. Uh, but again, you know, these uh, these predictions don't really mean a thing. And you read the result next day, but I'm leaning towards a Kerber to win that match. Um, yes, I'm still leaning towards Kerber as well. Um, their past meetings were all on hardcore, which is Kerber's best surface, but it wasn't the Kerber of 2016 and um, that we all know as the major winner now. So, yeah, Wimbledon is such a neutralizer even now. It's uh, such an outlier. And 
overall. Either you become so good, like Federer, Serena, you know, Rafa played five finals. Novak, you know, was really impossible to beat for a couple of years. And, you know, he's won it three times. But there's nothing else like Wimbledon throughout the year. And, uh, and a lot of times, matchups that happen on other surfaces, even uh, matchups that uh, run beyond the top players on both sides, have a different uh, different outcome. I, I remember, again, as a fan, I always like to bring in the past. I remember Marat Safin in his twilight years when he was heading out. In 2008, he made this magical run at Wimbledon, beating Djokovic and beating Lopez and Wawrinka. And more than Djokovic, Lopez and Wawrinka were two guys who were giving him trouble outside of Wimbledon everywhere. But this is one court. And Safin hated grass for the longest time. This is one court where he really leveled, you know, something happened and clicked. And, you know, the older he got, his movement wasn't as good. So it allowed him, the grass still allowed him to unleash his heavy uh, ground strokes, his big kick serve. And he beat both those guys. And uh, as a fan who followed him closely, whenever Feliciano Lopez's name was in his section, I knew that's not, go- not a good sign for Marat. But, you know, in that 2008 championships, he beat both uh, Wawrinka, who was still young but had beaten Safin, I think, a couple of times in clay and hard. So he got those. So I think you're right, absolutely right. The meetings uh, on other surfaces really is a blessing in disguise. And uh, Kerber may very well win this because, you know, hard court success doesn't really translate here. Uh, a lot of times, because grass is still a very different surface. It bounces higher and slightly slower compared to the Sampras here, but it's still not your, you know, it's still an anomaly compared to the rest of the tour. L- let me ask you one thing. I know uh, now we're talking about the next match with Prishkova and Burton. Do you think Prishkova is better off playing Burton's or because Venus is such a, you know, huge president at Wimbledon and Prishkova now? Or it is the reverse now because Prishkova is expected to win this match, so there's more pressure. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think Pliskova may have been better off playing Venus because um, Venus is a player that she does have some confidence against. Um, she has beaten her in majors before. Um, we all remember the 2016 year that she stopped uh, Venus in Serena meeting again in the semifinals, I believe. But um, with Burton's, it's kind of a a toss-up because neither of this player kind of like grass very well. I mean, Pliskova seems like she should be suited for grass, but we all know that she's had her struggles at Wimbledon. Um, Kiki Burton's is more of like a clay player. She um, dazzled us at Roland Garros in previous years, making it to the semifinal. But she's slowly improving on all surfaces. And here she is in the fourth round with Pliskova at Wimbledon. So they kind of have a tight head-to-head. Pliskova won their most recent meeting when they played in Stuttgart. But that was on clay, I believe. And um, it's it's both a toss-up. It's really a toss-up, I think. I think Pliskova would have benefited from playing Venus, even though Wimbledon is her home court and she does so well here but uh I mean it I feel like Pliskova would do better facing an opponent that she would probably know a lot better um their game style compared to Burton's who she's kind of lost to before very well said there Brianna so uh let's take uh, a look at the remaining matches here Gerges against Vekic uh you know Vekic's had a good Wimbledon I think this is probably her best you know she's one of those uh, players you mentioned who are first time appearing on Manic Monday. Uh, you think her train stops here or you think she can go through the 13th seed uh, from Germany, Julia Gerges? 
Hmm, that is a tight match. Um, I'm not really sure who's going to come out on on top in this one. Um, both of these players are kind of like the supreme servers so far in the first week. Um, Gurgis has hit about 35 aces in her first three rounds. And I believe Donna Vekic is currently leading the women for service points one on their first serve. She's won like, uh, I believe, like 82% or something like that of points one on her first serve. So that'll be interesting. Um, it's really going to be about the return and who can keep the rallies going. I think Gerges is a favorite. She's, you know, um, she's just a more steady player than Beckage, but Beckage has the advantage of loving to play on grass and she's got a whole bunch of opportunity ahead of her. And uh, let's come to the focal point of this conversation. Uh, with all due respects to everyone, Serena Williams is finding her range and she looked pretty impressive. And, you know, even our offline chats with Mert and Susie, who were there watching their match, and Susie clearly said, you know, she's here to win. And uh, that, that in itself is a statement because, you know, Serena, of course, won't enter any tournament. But what Susie was coming was, you know, like she, she looks like this is, you know, this is possible in her, in her game, the way it elevated, you know, it's it was so reminiscent of Serena on big courts in the past, like how she would trail and then she would just find that level. And, uh, is that a good indicator of that last match against Kiki Mladenovic for things to come for you? Oh, yes. I was very pleased by what I saw from Serena against Mladenovic. Um, considering Mladenovic played one of her better matches in what we've seen in a long time, um, it's she really had to compete hard to get that first set. She was down a break and broke back and was able to win it 7-5. But it really seems like Serena's game is coming together more and more as she plays on the surface. Um, we have to remember she hasn't played on grass really since she won her 23rd, um, excuse me, her 22nd title um, because she didn't play the year she got pregnant in 2017. So um, it's really just about how Serena can continue to evolve and get comfortable. We've seen her movement get better after her first match. We've seen her serve pick up. She's picking up speed and placement and she's getting more aces. Um, ESPN had a great graphic where they showed her percentage of unreturned serves has risen in each of her rounds. So if I was the opposition, I would be a little nervous about that. And if I was Rodina, I would definitely probably be losing a little sleep tonight thinking about how I'm going to combat Serena um, on Monday. But uh, you never know what can happen. Um, pressure will start to take form as Serena gets deeper in the tournament. She hasn't really been tested um, like she's been in the past few years in those final or semifinal rounds. So there could be nerves. We don't know, but um, it'll definitely be fun to watch and see what happens with Serena. And hopefully, maybe we can see a little bit of history on finals weekend. Yeah, hopefully we can. Again, you know, like, uh, we, we hope for a good match. But uh, Serena in full flight would be a sight. You know, that's, uh, that's, you know, tennis fans all over do treasure because, you know, as as these athletes get older and you know, you know no one's going to play forever, you tend to appreciate you know uh, all these marvelous athletes, especially the champions, even more because you know sometimes we are all divided. We're sitting in a different camp, but uh, you do start marvel even the player you root against. You know the class and longevity and the greatness that you know they have you know they have delivered. And Serena is just like such an iconic figure. And uh, I grew up the through the Steffi Graf era. I saw. 
her win all her slams and Martina was ending and first I didn't believe Steffi would get close to Martina's numbers of course the Monica Seles injury had a lot to uh, you know to say uh, or the stab- the stabbing sorry uh, pardon me and uh, and then now Serena you know these are unprecedented numbers I mean we, we don't uh, we, we do take this for granted you know what she's able to do or what Roger and Nadal are doing or what Djokovic put together for three or four years uh, so yeah, let's see how she, you know, how she becomes a conversation slowly if she starts winning, you know, more matches because you know no one knows uh, more than her how to win these things, these majors at the end. So yeah, uh, big talking point in the remaining podcasts over the week. And last but not the least is Makarova, Georgie. Georgie, uh, is there a surprise this matchup for you at this stage? And are they both probably uh, correct me if are they both making their manic Monday debuts? Um, Georgie has been to the fourth round once before at Wimbledon. Okay. Um, Makarova, she, I believe she's been here before as well. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, I'm not very surprised that Makarova is here in the fourth round. I kind of had Wozniacki on upset alert um, because Makarova is a decent player on grass. i believe she's beating she may have beaten Serena here I can't remember exactly but I know she's played Serena tough before at majors and she's um actually like fourth on the all-time list for um making the fourth round or quarterfinals among active players behind Venus Serena and Sharapova I believe so that's an amazing stat for her that I saw from Wimbledon earlier in the week but I'm not really surprised she's here um, I thought she might have a trickier time with Lucy Safarova in the third round after the Wozniacki match, but she really closed that strong. Georgie, I am a little surprised she's here because we all know how streaky Georgie can be, but she's had a decent draw. She came through strong against Siniakova, um, another Czech player, and now she's here to face Makarova. I believe Makarova will win this match. Um but if Georgie comes through, it would be interesting to see her play uh, Serena. Yeah, she does play an aggressive brand, Camilla Georgie. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's look forward to these matches and let's do a quick switch to the men's side of the tournament. And on top, we have uh, eight-time champion Roger Federer against Adrian Manorino. And Manorino is, I believe, the only uh, player left on both WTA and ATP who featured in a final before Wimbledon. Uh, I think there were a few tournaments, and he's still, you know, he's he's building quite the resume. When I was talking to Hannah Wilkes, she uh, she thought uh, Ryan Harrison, you know, on paper did look like the, you know, in grass you think someone who has a more powerful game would come through, but Manorino has done it, you know, a few years in a row at Wimbledon, and he likes playing grass. He's a tricky player, uh, but I do think Federer has too much in the bag for him. Uh, I don't see Manorino taking a set. Of course, every day is a new day. How do you see that match? I agree. I see it as a steamroll for Federer. Uh, Manorino, I believe, did take a set off Federer. Was that last um, 2015 or 2016 Wimbledon? Um, I, yeah. I can't remember exactly, but it, but Federer was had a quote about Manorino being kind of a tough player and stealing a set from him before. So he had his eye out for him. But I definitely think it's straights for Federer. Yeah, Federer, you know, like uh, he's uh, definitely... Played well again. Uh, we have disagreed uh, as a group in the past, but yeah, he this is a change of player uh, who's going to test different skills. But I think Federer has uh, a little too much in the bag of, uh, for this to get tricky. 
Uh, and Federer's opponents uh, is also is going to be Kyle Monfils and Kevin Anderson. Kevin Anderson is a higher seed, but Federer has never lost to him, I believe. Monfils has troubled Federer. I don't think they have played in grass. Uh, and Monfils, again, is a very surprise entity, you know. Uh, he, he's played Wimbledon so many years. I think this is the first time he's made the cut to the fourth round. And uh, he was pretty impressive in beating Sam Querrey, who's uh, quite a grass court player in his, on his own rights. Uh, I think Anderson will come through. I think uh, Anderson uh, is a better grass court player, but Monfils, uh, you know, has you know sent a couple of those out in this tournament in Gasquet and Querrey. Uh, which way are you leaning in that match, Fiona? Mm, that's a close one to call. I'm leaning Kevin Anderson as well, but I think Monfils has a good shot. I am surprised that Monfils has made it this far, but when he's playing as well as he seems to be playing, he definitely has a good chance. I would love to see him play Federer in the quarterfinals, but he's got a big ass with the South, the South African Anderson. All right, and then... Uh... The next match is uh, American Mackenzie McDonald, who, according to many, is the biggest surprising uh, surprise story of these championships on the men's side. He's playing against Milos Raonic, who, uh, for some odd reason, has become like the forgotten man in the men's tennis. Even in Canadian tennis, uh, Shapovalov and Felix Auger-Aliasami have arrived. Milos is still the highest-ranked Canadian. And even on grass, I think, outside the big three, him and Chilich are the best uh, grass court credential players. But... Uh, He's just somewhat uh, below the radar, and uh, I still think he has the best chance uh, in advancing in this side of uh, the half with Federer, uh, potentially in the semis. Uh, I think he will put an end to McDonald's uh, tournament, uh, which is no shame. McDonald does good. He does a lot of problem uh, problem solving on court. He's a fighter, quite a greedy customer. But I think on this surface, and that too in the second week, I think Milos just has uh, too much experience and you know too much of a serve. I agree. I think it will be the end for Mackie McDonald's run. Um, Rowan is just kind of under the radar like Ostapenko a little bit. Um, he's playing decently well. Um, he hasn't really had a tough draw, but no one's really checking for him. So I think he can make a splash in the second week. His quarterfinal will tell the tale of how he's truly playing because that could be a tough match. And I'll let you introduce that Isner Sitsipas battle. Yeah, Isner Sitsipas, that's. Uh... That's a, that's a tricky match, then, it seems. Otherwise, if you don't follow tennis in and out and you just know John Isner played that epic match, uh, you know, uh, eight years ago against Nikola Mahu, uh, with his serve, you would think, you know, back in the day, or someone just woke up from the Sampras era and just told Isner 6-10 it serves like this, you would think, no-brainer. But Isner has struggled, I think, at Wimbledon. You know, he's played a lot of these matches in the past and he's come out on the wrong end, besides that Mahu match. And he's also not your best best of five player, but he's playing with a, some regained confidence, with a purpose. I know uh, he's also on the you know he still, still still can play a few more years, but he's not you know the young bloke he once used to be. Uh, that being said, I think uh, Sitsipas uh, definitely has a lot of shots, and he's risen quite quickly in 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 front of our eyes to be a serious player. He, if somebody told me Sitsipas would be seated coming in Wimbledon. Uh, in February or January, the way he lost to Shapovalov, he looked like a very distant player from this player now. Uh, that being said, uh, <laughs> the only match had tie breaks. I think they played in a 500 tournament in China last year. I don't know whether it was a Shanghai or not Shanghai. Was it like Beijing? Uh, yeah, it can it can go anyway. I think I see four sets here. Uh, uh, I think uh, if Sitsipas can get to tie breaks, he definitely moves better. He has a. Uh, uh, 
he has more of a range than John Isner, but if it becomes a shootout, it, it can get tricky. Uh, so I would lean towards Sitsipas in four, but again, you know, uh, these predictions don't mean a thing because John Isner can really bring down 40 aces, and you know, it can be a frustrating uh, day for the young young Greek. Uh, but I'm leaning uh, to Sitsipas to making his uh, Wimbledon quarterfinals. How do you see that one? That is a tough one to call. I think I'm going to lean with Isner. And that's only because the way the grass has been playing so far this year, I think it's really helping him, the higher bounce. Um, he's able to probably use his kick serve out wide a lot and just really get the ball in uncomfortable positions. I think if Shapo- excuse me, Sitsipas can return well, I think he has a shot at this match, like you said, in four or five sets. Um but I'm just going to have to lean with Isner based off the weather and how this court's playing. I really think Isner has a great chance to get to his first semi- semifinal at Wimbledon, um, something that we've all thought would happen way earlier in his career. But I think he has a great shot, better chance than never. You know, He hasn't really played people that would give him too much trouble, although he did kind of let that uh, Bemelman's match slip a little bit. He could have won that in straights and got pushed to five and almost lost that fifth set. So if Sitsipas can pull a Bemelman's, I think he has a good shot at this. But for right now, I'm leaning Isner. If this happened, Isner around, it would be a great uh, quarterfinal. And uh, Anand, who used to host this podcast with me and is still involved with tennis with an accent, we had many discussions, you know, who has a better chance, who has a better career. Raonic and Isner, so yeah, we both will you know look forward to that match because I was always advocating that Milos Raonic has had a better career already, and Anand believes you know Isner has that serve that can turn around. He just needs two good weeks, and you know he could at least you know add a semi-final to his career. So yeah, that that'll be a good match if uh, for for us for you know me and Anand if that does happen on Wednesday. Uh, let's look at the next match: Novak Djokovic and Hashanov. I think Djokovic is definitely finding his range. Since French Open, he's been slowly getting better. His level is so high, so I don't think he's close to that level of uh, 2015 and early 2016 when he was pretty much winning everything in sight. But he's a champion, and I always believe. I tell my friends who are big Novak fans, uh, I don't know if he'll ever get back to that level, but he can still win majors if he's slightly below that level because that's how good this guy is. He's a fierce competitor. He's finding, you know... His mojo, he's finding motivation, and I think what happened in the Edmund match is going to you know, only fuel him to come out and, you know, focus more. And that being said, I don't have any doubt Novak is going to win that match. Of course, anything can happen. But I want to see a lot more fight from Hashinov. I want to see from this generation that is slightly younger than Nick. Uh, these guys have to start making these opportunities count. Federer, Nadal and Djokovic are tough to beat, but you have to show up for these matches. And uh, it's not easy when uh, those guys have so much experience and so much, you know, aura about them. They know this, these big courts so well. Usually the crowds are, you know, always looking for the big names. But that being said, uh, Hachanov, you know, uh, has to start showing up. He, he did a very good match against uh, Sasha Zverev uh, in, in Roland Garros. But I just want to see how he competes if the match even produced a close one or two set because uh, that's something that I'm looking forward to. And I'm like many tennis fans and many tennis pundits, many analysts, you know, or, or bloggers or podcasters, what happened with Nick Kyrgios is kind of uh, disappointing, just from the perspective of next gen, because this guy has so much game. And uh, whatever happened, he needs to learn how to focus in these matches, whatever was the distraction coming in. 
he was not feeling his elbow. I know we are kind of drifting, but that's why I'm kind of measuring a lot of other players if they show up for these matches in the right frame of mind. And if Djokovic does streamroll him in the first set, what kind of a fight does uh, Hashanov have? So that's the kind of things I'm looking in this match. The result is not really in doubt. It's Novak's match to lose in every regard, and I don't see him losing this. But uh, I want to see the composure and uh, the temperament that uh, the Russian brings in for this one. Right. Those are all great points, Sakub, about the next gen. Um, it kind of sometimes feels like we need to combine all of them into one player, you know, take uh, the consistency and mentality of Zerb and give him a little bit of Curios's firepower and, uh, and brashness, you know, and maybe we could have a player that would break through and win their first major. But unfortunately, as it stands right now, Djokovic is the clear favorite. I think Hatchinoff can make us make a splash um, if he competes well, like Edmund did for a couple of sets. Um, he's on court number one, so hopefully he won't have the shock of the center court aura to make him super nervous. But um, hopefully he can compete well as well as he did against Zverev. Um, he should have won that match in Roland Garros, and you know he just kind of let that opportunity slip. So hopefully he can compete well against Djokovic and keep continuing on his season. Um, otherwise, you know, losing to Djokovic is no bad result. It's already a great Wimbledon for Hatchinoff, and hopefully he continues to improve. Sure. Uh, that brings us to the next match uh, between two players who are not expected to be here. Uh, not so much Nikkei Nishikori, but we all know Nishikori you know, has been also coming back from a series of, you know, uh, injury trouble and uh, grass is not the place where we expected him uh, to dispose of uh, the mercurial, talented Nick Kyrgios in, in the straight set manner. And Nishikori said this is probably the best grass court match he's ever played. Uh, and it did, it did become competitive for a while, but uh, it was clear that, you know, once uh, Nishikori had the Kyrgios serve in play, Kyrgios is not the same player. I think he uh, very much Sampras-like when he's putting those unreturnables in that's when he's playing his best, then he can do damage on the opponent's serve. So, Kenishikori definitely, to me, is a slight favorite. Uh, and I've followed Ernest Gulbis, uh, you know, quite closely, at least through the scores and some live feed on the Challenger Tour. The guy, you know, plays his own way, which is uh, so good about Gulbis. It's always his way. Uh, you know, it doesn't work a lot of times. Uh, he has a game plan, and sometimes he could be erratic. But, you know, credit to him for, for getting this last two months out, you know, qualifying for French Open and now Wimbledon. And he's won now six matches here in the grass. Uh, he needs to really have a great serving day because Nishikori is going to ask him different questions than Zverev did. With Zverev, it was a very powerful contest of serve and then, you know, some exciting rallies. I think K is a better returner. He's going to get a lot into play and he's going to cut down the margins. He's going to find that Gulbis forehand. And for Gulbis, he has to, I think, believe. He has to go for it. He has to has a great serving day and then take chances on the forehand because backhand-wise, I think he, he can match K because I think they both have one of the better backhands. K definitely uh, slightly, I think, a more versatile backhand, but Gulbis with his drop shots and uh, I think he's a more complete player on the backhand side than forehand. So, But uh, I, I'm leaning towards Nishikori in four, but uh, with Gulbis, you never know. You know, he, he might have one more match in the tank. That would be interesting if Gulbis does pull out this win. But I'm leaning Nishikori right now because what I saw against Kyrgios was probably the best that I've seen Kay play in a while. Um, he really disarmed Kyrgios. Um, 
in the match. Like Kyrgios was in one service game, just serving all above 135 miles per hour. And Kay was getting those balls back and he was ready for the next one. You know, he was really on against Kyrgios and it was nice to see Nishikori kind of get back to that level, especially on a surface where he hasn't done well before and he's often left injured. So, um, I would like to add one more thing. You made a great point there. I think what Gulbis won't do tomorrow is he knows the occasion. You know, he's 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 been left in the wilderness. You know, the lower ranks, and he hasn't had many matches. You know, he's won I think what uh, I think less than ten matches in last year and this year also. He's won uh, only few main draw matches. I think four. Everything has been on challenger. So I, I think in his own way, in his old elder statesman way, he's been in the tour for like eleven, twelve years. He knows what this moment means. So I think he 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 won't do what Kyrgios. I think you can expect a, a laser-sharp Gulbis, which is not an attribute you associate with Gulbis because he's talking to the crowd, he's getting distracted. Even if he does, I think he'll bring in his A game. So Nishikori has to win this match. I usually don't say this about Gulbis because Gulbis can give opponents you know, a lot of uh, different momentum. You know, He could check out and then tune in. But I don't expect any of that tomorrow. I think Nishikori might win, but I think he has to go through a very focused Gulbis, something which uh, he didn't see with Kyrgios, I think, for the better part of the match. Mm-hmm. That'll be a good test for Nishikori. Um, uh, he's serving well. He served. He outserved Kyrgios pretty much in all the percentages. So it'll definitely be be fun to see if that translates to the match against Golbis and in the future if he wins. Okay, so let's move on to the last two matches in this uh, men's draw. Juan Martin Del Potro returns to Manic Monday after... 2013. He missed few Wimbledon in the last two years. He went out to Ernest Gulbis and Luca Pui, and he plays a uh, veteran Frenchman, Gilles Simon. And Del Potro has looked pretty solid. Again, another player who hasn't been in the conversation as much as the big three. Uh, how do you see his form, and uh, how do you see this match? With- hmm. I see this should be a pretty easy win for Del Potro. Um, Simon has been playing well on the grass, kind of surprisingly, through but that came from an open draw from, I think, Luca Pui going out early. Um, so I just think it's these last two fourth rounds are kind of like the warm-up for the quarterfinal we all want to see. We definitely want to see if we can get Del Potro Nadal and have that blockbuster match. But uh, before we get to not get ahead of ourselves, I think Del Potro should come through easily in straights and... He's playing pretty well, I think. I haven't seen too much of Delpo. Um, he's been playing kind of early in the morning before my time. <laughs> but uh, he's he's definitely beat some good players. Like the Feliciano match, I heard, was very well contested. And Delpo did great to come through in straight sets, I believe, or maybe four sets. Um, straight sets. He only lost seven games, yeah. So he was pretty mm-hmm. dominant in that game. And also very good against Benoit Pair. And uh, he's another player like uh, the player we're going to talk about soon, Nadal. Del Potro also likes that, you know, firm footing on grass. And his uh, losses sometimes have come out in the first week when the grass is still green. And I believe with this Wimbledon, the grass is, you know, gone from the baseline faster because of the hot weather. And uh, second week is when the footing becomes uh, more stable. So I think watch out for Del Potro. And if, if him and Nadal do pair up for the quarterfinal, yeah. I think that can be a beauty. Uh, on that note, let's talk about Nadal. We talked about his opponent, Jerry Vesely. So let's focus on the number two seed in world number one, Rafael Nadal. Uh, again, uh, not not the same Wimbledon resume. First uh, six of the first five you know, years, of, you read the finals. Uh, 
course, he had lost to Paradon Trishipan, I think, in 2005. But then he reached five straight finals, won two championships. And then uh, came a series of, you know, uh, surprising losses. And the most surprising being Steve Darcy's. That being said, Nadal's looked pretty focused, has gone through some decent opposition, may not be the best grass court players. But uh, Nadal's recent form at Wimbledon made him quite vulnerable when the grass is green and slippery. So he's come out through flying colors. What do you expect with the big serving Vesely? Probably the toughest op- opponent Nadal's facing. Um, I definitely think he's the trickiest opponent Rafa is facing so far. Um, I haven't seen much of Vesely in a long time. Um, probably since he upset Djokovic at that in Monte Carlo that one year. But um, I think Rafa should be able to handle him in three or four sets. Um, I think Rafa's playing well so far. Probably not as well as what we saw last year. I think he was serving a little bit better um, until he ran into Jills Mueller. But I think Rafa's on track so far. Um, his next rounds will be the toughest for him in the tournament. But I think if he can get through them, then he's a well-deserved champion. So we'll see what's what's going to happen. And maybe we can even get a, a throwback Thursday final with uh, Federer and Nadal. Yeah, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of tennis to be played. And uh, there's certain Novak Djokovic and certain one Martin Del Potro that Nadal may have to go through. Uh, in the second week, Nadal, you know, definitely will have his work cut out. Because those two matchups are really mouth-watering. And... Uh, Let's see how it goes. But, yeah, I, I'm also leaning with you. Uh, I don't see Vesely beating Nadal, but then we didn't see Vesely to get here this far. And uh, I th- I'm sure Nadal, knowing his game plan, he's not taking anyone lightly, and definitely not Vesely, who can uh, definitely put out some serves out there. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting match. I see Nadal to win, I agree with you, uh, maybe four sets, no longer than that. But we'll find out we're not too far away from this, uh, these matches to take place. So on that note, I think we have covered uh, both sections. Uh, Brianna, thanks for taking time out on the middle Sunday. Thank you, Saka.